Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode three of NBA Intel. Yours truly, regular co-host, Clement Gibson, here to talk to you about the weekly basketball topics from last week as we head into a new week of the NBA season. I have a variety of things to speak on, such as should we be worried about the vets, like the Clippers and the Warriors, and all-star break Intel, what do we feel about the fan vote? That's just the tip of the iceberg. And so before we dive right into it, um, want to talk about this topic that has just really came up. It's beneficial. Kevin Durant out two weeks for the Brooklyn Nets with at least a sprained MCL. He'll at least miss the next two weeks, and then he'll get that checkup to see what's what and if he can resume playing. So far as we know, he'll probably be out through at least the rest of the month of January. Me and Clem, we always talk about the Nets, and although they've been pretty good so far, Clem alluded to something is in the horizon in terms of something could go wrong. Durant getting injured is one of those things that could go wrong. Clem, man, he's going to be out for at least the six-game stress that's upcoming for the Nets. Good news for them, through the next two weeks, they only play six games. Can they survive? Because they're out for the next three days until they play Boston on primetime on TNT. We can mark that up as an L. But beyond that, what's your projection for this franchise moving forward without Durant for the rest of January? Man, look, I hate to say I told you so. (laughs) And, you know, I don't wish ill will on no man. I have torn my meniscus two different times, and um, it derailed my entire um, career as a college athlete. So definitely don't wish, um, especially knee injuries on anybody. However, you know I'm somebody who is very practical. Kevin Durant, 34 years old, all right? He's had um, injuries to the lower extremities before. We know the Achilles, he had a foot injury. Uh, He had an MCL injury last year as well. Um, But we talked about this over the last, what, three or four seasons, he's missed significant time. Um, So I I don't want to say it was coming, but with his age and his injury history, you just knew he, he was going to miss some time. Um, so not that shocking to me. Another thing that's not going to be shocking shocking is Kyrie Irving. That boy is about to act a fool. He is about to act a fool. And I guarantee you in the next month, he's going to say or do something that's going to make people go bonkers. Um, so with that being said, uh, I know we're going to get into the all-star talk, but obviously Joel Embiid is going to be the starter now. Um, and <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I can see them dropping for sure. I just don't know how much. I think they'll fall a little bit under Indiana, but they'll they'll be within that playing range. So when KD comes back, I'm sure he'll elevate them back to um, outside of the play-in. But I think ultimately um, this will land them, you know, right outside of the play-in in that six six seed area. Right. Um, I don't think they'll fall that far. Um, I have to see their six games again, but I saw them before we head on the show. And outside of like they play Boston, um, Golden State, I think they got to go on the road to them. I think those two are L's because I feel like by then Golden State, they'll be more healthier. And Boston right now, I think their confidence is high from that demolition they had against the Mavericks. But they play OKC. That's not going to be easy. Play Phoenix. They're kind of reeling. I'm going to thank San Antonio as well. So I think they could go three and three in that stretch. And I think we'd be safe to say uh, they're probably going to lose that two seed. So I could see them dropping to like four. But I think they'll still be in the top four by the time Durant comes back in early February. Uh, I don't think KD 
will probably miss the All-Star game. I think he'll still be there. Joel Embiid is already a starter. The guy that's on the outside looking at right now is Tatum. Tatum. So, um, and we'll figure out what happens there. But then the Nets will be fine. As for Kyrie, that is funny that you said that. Um, This is about the time where he wilds out. But I had to think about it again. And Kyrie's MO has been, as long as he's been with the Nets, is he gives you one what-the-F moment every year. And that what the F moment has just passed. It was the tweet, you know, on social media. So I think after that pretty much spooked him to the point where he realized, bro, like they almost took away my career. And he's in a contract here. I think he's going to try. I'm not going to say he will be. He's going to attempt to be on his best behavior as much as he can. And plus, he's just really going to only have to hold down the floor for two weeks, at, at minimum two weeks when Durant's out. And I don't think that's an impossible task. And I do feel like the Nets as a core are a lot better than what they were last year. Better coach, better role players, more defined role and structure on their squad. Um, they're not going to continue winning at that crazy clip as they were without their random lineup. He's their best player. But I think they can survive and stay 500 through a six to eight game stretch. So when he comes back, you might not be the two seed, but you're three and four. And you can live with that going forward. But you're right on Durant. He's been injury prone really ever since he tours Achilles. And in that Miami game, Miami brought the physicality to Brooklyn. And there was a couple of times Durant died some scares. But then eventually when Butler landed into his knee at an awkward angle, he was done. And they won that game, but they won it at a cost. And so, I mean, those are the type of teams where in the regular season, you might play in Miami, you might play in Milwaukee, you might play in Memphis, who they bring playoff level intensity to the regular season at times. And it could catch a an elder statesman like Durant slipping where probably in his prime at 25, 26, he could survive those, you know, falls at his knee and continue to play. So I think the Nets will be fine um, during that stretch, but obviously they're going to need Durant to be back for them that had all competed in the East. And I think he'll be back in February. Now, how he will he look? How will they manage him from then on to the playoffs remains to be seen. I think they're going to side on the edge of caution, but – I don't think they're going to fall off the clip. And I don't think Kyrie going to lose his mind. He had that well, lose his me, mind moment um, <laughs> when he saw his career flash before his eyes. Now, can he also get hurt? Yeah, I think that's the most likely thing. He could get injured. So, because his usage rate is going to be enhanced even more. And his responsibility as a primary scorer and ball handler will be enhanced to a point where I do wonder, will his body hold up during that let stretch? Me, so. Let me also remind you that Black History Month is coming up. Now, you know Kyrie is going to say or do something. And if you forgot, the situation that has happened um, earlier in the year had a lot to do with Black history. So I can definitely see Kyrie, whether he says something or not, he might wear a shirt, a hat, pants, put something on his shoes that that stirs up drama. Um, But as we always say, time will tell. Time Time will will tell. And hopefully by Black History Month, Durant back. So then none of that will matter. <laughs> but time will tell, to say the least. Moving on to the first topic at hand, is it time to worry about the Clippers and the Warriors? Both teams come away from the past weekend at 500. They're near the halfway point of the season at their respective records. So let's start with the Warriors. 40 games in, they're 20 and 20. They had a solid five-game winning streak claiming to start their eight-game homestand. But then that came to a screeching halt due to back-to-back painful losses to non-playoff contenders, Orlando. And then they got swept by Detroit. Yes, Detroit won at their place early in the year. Then they went to Golden State and won the season series 2-0. The good news, 
Curry is expected to be back at least by the beginning of the road trip. I saw some reports where he could be back tomorrow when they end the homestand against the Suns. He was probable at one point, then it got downgraded to questionable. So with Curry expected to be back in the lineup, can they resurrect the tide and hit their stride again as defending champs? I am not worried about the Warriors. Um, currently, they're 16 in the West. Um, they're six in points per game, and this is um, also happened while Curry was out of the lineup. Um, first in assists per game, which makes sense with Curry being out of the lineup. Um, and then they won the last five out of seven games. Um, this is as of today, um, Monday, January 9th. So obviously when the pod drops, record may change. But as of today, that's where they stand. And I'm not worried about them for the simple fact that even we talked about in the, in the group chat, they have a top five player. They've been to a conference finals. They've also been to a finals and they've also won four championships. So they have a wealth of experience. Um, so unless Curry comes back and he's obviously lost a step and he's not the Curry that we know, I just don't see them being a team we need to worry about. Um, we'll dive into the Clippers more, but they're not like the Clippers. They have their core. They have their nucleus. Like right now, these points in the season, they're main so trying to figure out different lineups especially for the young guys, um, defensive lineup that can work for the playoffs. But when it comes down to it, their core has been intact for so long that Curry, I feel like Curry and Draymond could miss an entire season and get on the court together and they would just click. Um, and your boy Clay <laughs> has been playing good. He's been playing he went good. crazy. Got Gotta give it to him. 30, 30 yeah. You know, make us the big shots, not as efficient, but we got to remember, like, just a year ago, he was, he was like, still fairly new to the, the, coming back to the, um, to the, uh, to the NBA with all the injuries. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm not worried about the Warriors at all. I think they're in a good position. Um, the main thing for them is just to try to secure a top four seed so they don't have to worry about playing a better team in the first round. But even then, I think they'll, they're, they're a lot to get to the second round. It's just a matter of who they play in the second round and how healthy are they um, to see if they're going to get to the conference final. Yeah, um, those are very important elements as well. I mean, obviously, the goal for the Warriors at this point should be let's ensure that our first round matchup is potentially 4-5 to where we may not have home court but we feel like we're on par or better than our opposition to where home court doesn't really matter. Um, I'll preface this by saying when Curry was healthy and before he went out with an injury, this team was still only two games above 500. Look, I'm going to keep it a stack, man. I'm worried because the bottom line is this team here just feels like they're at the precipice of wearing down. Klay Thompson, I don't know if you heard, before tip-off against the Orlando Magic, he was a scratch because he felt knee tightness. And during that span when he went on that crazy run, his shot opportunities went through the roof. Like, he had a lot of opportunities offensively to get his shots up with the best of them. But a lot of his game is predicated off of running off of pin downs, running through screens, running to get catch-and-shoot opportunities. And a guy coming off of two severe knee injuries, that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Draymond Green has shown flashes and spurts of defensive ability. Um, he's still an all-NBA caliber defender. 
when he's right. But he's also had moments in time during the season where he's worn down. Steve Kerr's alluded to the fact that he wants to ensure Kevon Looney and Draymond are able to last the test of time. This is an old core that they lean on predominantly throughout the season to have avenues of success. And they don't, in my eyes, haven't been able to develop their young cats enough to where they can probably go a substantial stretch where somebody other than Jordan Poole is adding to the supply of productivity for them. Kamiga had his moments and then he got a little nick. So it feels like right now it's Curry, Poole, and Clay. Like they carry a lot of the predominant offensive load. And I think over time that's going to take its toll because Curry and Clay are getting up in age. And I got the numbers. Look, they lead the league in three point attempts, 43 a game. They also lead the league in three point makes, 16.1 a game. But they attempt the third fewest and make the second fewest two-point shots. The old Warriors from years past, Clem, I know a lot of people, they look at that team as, man, they just love to run and gun with the best of them. But they took and made high-quality two-point shots as well. And they were able to defend with the best of them. This isn't a good defensive team. The defensive drop-off from last year to this year is paramount. Their opponents shoot the most free throws in basketball at 26.1 per game. They give up 42% field goal percentage. That's the eighth worst in basketball. They continue to get killed on the glass as well. They don't feel like the old productive Warriors of the past where they shot well from deep. They also were very efficient from two, and they were a top five to 10 defense. If you're not doing that particularly well, I don't know how you can beat anybody. This is why they're 20 and 20. And I feel like their win streak, before I pass it on to you, was a little bit misleading because there were a couple games they probably should have lost. Probably should have lost to Atlanta in overtime. But it's Atlanta. They be tripping. Charlotte's not a good team. Charlotte was able to hang around till the fourth quarter with LaMelo Ball being reinserted back to the lineup. And that was like his third or fourth game against Portland. If Jordan Poole doesn't go off, they lose because the Blazers were up eight with four minutes to go. You see the pattern? Like, it's not sustainable for success. And I just can't say, well, they got four championships and they got a veteran court that's been through the rigor. They'll make things happen. Could they potentially have a finals run like the Houston Rockets did back in the 90s? That second championship, they came into the playoffs to sixth seed, and then they won it all behind Hakeem. It's possible, but highly unlikely. So that's why I'm really worried about Golden State going forward. But I'm going to pass it on to you to rebuttal. Look, man, similar to the Clippers, I don't think they're winning another championship. But I still think they're good enough to get to the conference final. So that's okay. like my expectation for them. Um, I'm not worried about their start. I think after winning a championship, there is some fatigue there. And I think they made an emphasis from the beginning to try to develop the young guys more so and then give Clay more time to come back from his injury. Um, and they're still 20 and 20. So I, 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 I'm not worried about them. I think their core has proven um, they can get it done when it matters. So when the playoff comes, I think they'll they'll bounce back. No worries for me. I feel you, but they gotta get there. Um, and I and I know it seems blasphemous. The Warriors gotta get to the playoffs. I mean, they got that. And I know everybody's passing the book, passing. It's not just you. It's a lot of people passing the book, passing the book. Like it's Golden State. They got Curry. They got Warrior DNA championship culture. Um, strength in numbers, gold-blooded. They're going to figure it out. I'm worried, man. I am. And I'm equally as worried 
about the LA Clippers. They're 21 and 21, and Clem, they're giving 2021 Brooklyn Net vibes. Questionable line of implementing game. Lack of team chemistry due to stars not being consistently available. Recently, they no longer play consistent defense. They've lost six straight. Seven other last nine have been L's as well. Kawhi's played six games during this stretch, too, and they've only won one of them. That didn't used to be the case early in the year. It was like when Kawhi played, they were 11 and 2. Since then, they've kind of free fallen a little bit. The Boston and Indiana defeats, in my eyes, they weren't that bad. They were close games, couldn't finish the deal. It happens. They were in those games. But that goose egg they played on national TV versus Denver last Thursday and that Atlanta L where they were up and then blew the lead down the stretch. Those are problems. Clem, do you feel like it's time to worry for Clip Nation? It is depending on your expectations. I don't think they have a championship left in them. I think their championship window is closed. However, I still think they can make a conference final. Similar to the Warriors, they don't have the championship DNA. But, you know, I I don't think that PG and Kawhi in the playoffs are going to go home in the first round. Like, if they're both healthy, I still think they can take it to that next level and make sure they get to the playoffs and out of the first round. Um, I am starting to doubt them just because of the injuries and the lack of cohesion. But like I said, PG and Kawhi, when it comes down to it, I think they'll be fine. Um, if Kawhi's still playing as a top five player, which I think he's shown some flashes, very rare because of his uh, playing, uh, playing in minutes and all of that. But I just I. I'm not expecting them to be a finals contender. And I did come into the year saying that I think that they're going to get to the conference finals. And I still believe it. I just don't think they're good enough to beat Denver. I don't think the Warriors are good enough to beat Denver. So to me, their ceiling right now is the conference finals. If they exceed that, if they beat Denver and get to the finals, great for both of them. I don't think it's going to happen. But their floor to me is still at the bare minimum the second round. I think they're going to get there. So I'm not worried about them in that aspect. But I do think their championship days are, or hopes, I should say, because they never even won one, are over. Coming into the year, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Timberwolves were my tier one teams out west. And they're all underachieving as of right now. They're all underachieving (laughs) as of right now. It's unfortunate. Um, Look, the reality is, I'm a solid Clem on this one. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. The core has to be there and they got to be available. I also agree. They have the personnel to ensure they at least get to the semifinals. They should not be losing in the first round if those guys are there and healthy. The problem is they have to be there and healthy. Um, Kawhi and PG have missed a combined 36 games, and that isn't sustainable to success. Their offensive rating is ranked 28th. And I think a lot of that is contingent on their core's not out there consistently enough. They still do have a top 10 defensive rating, but recently, every opponent has at least scored at least 112 points in their last six L's. So I say it's very Brooklyn Netsy from last year because everything you said, Clem, and everything I've said a little bit as well, those were the same net believers last season when Kyrie was in and out with the vaccine issue. It was like, well, as long as Kyrie and KD are there, that's good enough to get out the first round. But I'm looking at the landscape of their conference, and I automatically say, 
If they play Milwaukee or Boston in the first round, they're going home. They play Boston. They got swept. So for the Clippers, like I'm kind of like that right now. Like if they play Sacramento in round one, yeah, they could beat them. Sacramento oh. play no defense. But <laughs> if they have to play the Pelicans, if they have to play Memphis, if they have to play the Clippers, I'm not the Clippers that play themselves. They got to play Denver. Those are L's because their lack of co- like the cohesion aspect really hurts you offensively because you have certain lineups that you tinker with throughout the year to when when it comes playoff time. You got about two to three lineups you've seen throughout the season that you can lean on and be effective for a stretch of basketball. That's very important when it comes to scoring buckets. When Kawhi and PG haven't been out there for a Luna lineup that consists of Zubach, that consists of Reggie Jackson, John Wall, Norman Powell, and you just try to fit it all together in one sitting, you're asking a lot. And the thing that stood out to me when they played Denver was they missed a lot of wide open shots and they couldn't guard nobody. And I think a lot of it had to deal with they just wasn't prepared to play basketball. And that happens a lot when your two best players are in and out of the lineup. And this has been a common theme with the Clippers throughout this Kawhi PG era. It's been missed games. It's been when they're there. They sometimes give effort and they sometimes not. Right now, Kawhi is the most healthy out of the two because Paul George is dealing with an injury. And so those last two L's they had against the Nuggets and the Hawks were alarming to me. And I got to face the facts. I'm going to say this. If they keep playing like how they're playing right now, it's going to be them and the Lakers competing for, competing in the play-in to get to the playoffs. And if you're doing that, then that means you're going to for sure play either Memphis or Denver, and you're going home in round one. So it's an easy fix. They got to be healthy. They got to be available. They got to develop that chemistry. And it's January, so they got time. We saw last year with Boston, when they were floundering through the month of January, that month of the new year, the first month of the new year, is where they figured it all out, turned the corner, and they made the finals. So it's not over for the Clippers. They just got to find some solutions, and it starts with health and being available on the basketball floor, not in and not out. Fair. No rebuttal from me. We'll see. We will see indeed. Now, on to a team that's actually in the playoff picture. Are the Indiana Pacers a genuine playoff team this year, Clem? Because right now they're 23 and 18, and coming into the year, I like their roster from a youth perspective, but the expectation that they would offload Miles Turner and Buddy Hills for picks and younger assets assets rather were in play early in the season, but they haven't done that. All right, Buddy's still been there, Miles has still been there, and at 23 and 18, winners of six of their last seven, they look legit. Are you sold on their upside as an Eastern Conference playoff team? It's so hard because coming in, honestly, I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I thought they had a lot of young talent, but Similar to you, I thought Buddy was on his way out the door. I thought Miles Turner was on his way out the door. Now I'm thinking, and foolish of us, honestly, because Indiana's not a team that ever takes. Um, That's so true. They're, yeah. they're right on par with their brand of like hard work, blue collar. Um, we're going to work with what we got and keep people in the seats. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton is playing like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Um, let me first give a moment of silence for the Kings fans for once again killing a great pick. Uh, so I, my condolences to you and your franchise on that. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but uh, Indiana, man, uh, they've really shocked me and currently sitting as the sixth seed right now. I had no idea that was going to be the case. Um, it's just 
hard for me when I look at the East standings and I and I'm like, okay, obviously they're not one of the top five teams with Brooklyn, um, Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly. Although Brooklyn might slide down a bit, they I could see them being over Brooklyn while Kevin uh, Durant is out. Um, I think they're better than New York for sure. I think, and then that's that's where it gets hard because it's like Miami. I don't think they're better than. Um, I think they're better than the Hawks right now. Um, obviously Trey Young has some star power, but there's a lot going on there. Um, and it's just hard for me to really put them over Chicago, but I think that's where they are. Like, I think they'll be in the playing for sure. It's just a matter of when it comes down to that, those big moments in the fourth when the game's on the line in the play-in, we saw the same thing happen with, uh, Cleveland last year, had a great regular season, overachieved got to the play uh play in and lost two straight games because they had to play a guy like play uh Trey Young and then uh um I believe the Brooklyn Nets is who they lost to the Yeah, they played Durant Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when you face that type of star power, you have to have somebody who can go like hit for hit for them or uh, with them when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter. I know Trey Young can do that. I know Jimmy Butler can do that. I know DeMar DeRozan can do that. That's it's fact. I've seen it over and over and over again. I don't know if Tyrese Halliburton is at that point. I've seen it during the regular season, but when all the chips are on the line, that team, you know, I I don't want to sound bad, but like they're really full of losers. Like a lot of them have not been on the winning team. Uh, <laughs> losers as in like not not like they they're not a good players, but just they haven't been on teams that have gone far and succeeded so they just don't know how to overcome with the tightest you know when your back's really against the wall so with that being said I think that they'll make the play-in but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs and I think at the end of the season it's going to be a really good um it's going to be a really good story and they're going to have a lot to look forward to for next year um but yeah, I don't think they're a playoff team as as much as I want to go with them. I don't think they they are. Uh, I feel you. And also, before I dive into what I feel, two teams that I should have known. I should have known because I remember this was a conversation we had, you know, at Jackson State on at the whistle. Um, two teams in the NBA that never tank. If you just look up their historical track record, franchise wise, they have probably had like single digit losing seasons. The Utah Jazz. And the Indiana Pacers. Oh, oh, Washington Wizards, they've, they've been trash before. But the Utah Jazz and the Indiana Pacers, they don't historically tank. And I should have known because when I looked at the Jazz and the Pacers roster coming in, especially both, I'm like, I mean, this isn't a tank S roster. I just came off with the vibe of realistically, if they tried, they could win 35 to 40 games. I've always heard Kenny Smith say this. He said, look, playing hard in the regular season – can get you 40 wins. And that's facts. Like, I'm not lying. If you come out there every night, um, you're going to catch a couple of teams snoozing on a Wednesday night after a back-to-back, and you could clip them. But it's come playoff time when everybody has the scouting report on what you do well and they can zero in on your primary assets that talent, depth, and legit coaching matters. And if you don't have all three of those things, you will fall off the wayside. I'm going to buy into the hype because they're ninth in pace, top 15 in offense and a top 20 in defense, that's good enough with an all-star caliber point guard 
to make the playoffs in any conference. Um, Tyrese Halliburton's averaging 20 and 10 on 48, 40, 88.5 shooting splits. He's looking like a young Chris Paul, like a young Chris Paul with the Hornets. And they're kind of built like those New Orleans Hornets teams early on in Paul's career, where you got your shooter, Pajan Stojakovic, Buddy Hill. You got your big, somewhat Tyson Chandler, Miles Turner. And then you have those core element pieces, um, those secondary parts off the bench, starting lineup, and Benedict Matherin, the rookie, who is going crazy, giving you 17 points per game off the bench. Miles Turner's giving you 17 and 7 on 55% field goal percentage. And Buddy Hill's averaging 18 on 42% three point shooting. They're an up-tipple style offense, a lot of high-volume threes. They push the ball with the best of them. They're top five in three-point field goals and attempts, top 10 in three-point shooting. They're an offensive first squad. Now, do I think this is transferable to playoff success? I don't because they don't really play defense pretty well. But we all know in the postseason that style of play slows down. That's why, in my eyes, the Phoenix Suns and the Steve Nash days always had problems in the postseason because – when they slow down the up-tempo, fast-break, helter-skelter offense, and you got to get it in the half court, can you trust that you're going to utilize that system to get success when you haven't really been playing like that throughout the year? So that's really my concern with the Pacers, but I do think they're better than the Nets. I mean, not the Nets. I do think they're better than the Knicks. I do think they're better than Atlanta currently because of Atlanta's issues within coaching. I do actually think if they play Miami in a series, and I don't think they will because I think Miami's going to be lingering, they could beat the Miami Heat. Because oh. my concern with the Miami Heat oh. is this this year. I, wow, cold take, hot take. I don't. It's a hot take right now. My take. concern with the Heat is, got to give him credit. Tyler Hero has taken the next step. Bam Adebayo, your man. He's taking the next step. Jimmy Butler has slightly regressed. And the last time I checked, their backcourt, their starting backcourt of Lowry. Well, I'm not going to say starting, but Lowry's fell off a cliff. Butler's been a shell of himself. And they don't, in my eyes, generate consistent enough offense. And they've kind of slipped a little bit on the defensive end. Indiana, that style of play against an aging, a somewhat aging Miami Heat team could surprise a lot of people and win that series. But I don't think they're beating any of the top-tier guys. Brooklyn went healthy, Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland. Philly, I don't think they can beat them because they're not a great defensive team. And you can't really outscore, in my eyes, elite playoff competition. I don't think the Miami Heat are an elite playoff team this season. And that was kind of my worry with them coming into the year. Would they regress? Because I felt like they peaked two of the last three years, got to the bubble finals, got to the conference finals last year. But it always felt like Jimmy was playing at a supreme apex. I don't think he can really give you that consistently anymore. So that means, bam, Hero have to combine and supplement that. And while I think they're slowly but surely becoming those players, probably going to take another year for that to be realistic. So I think Indiana could beat the Heat. But that's about it. I mean, those are bottom feeders, so they may have to deal with them in the play-in if they are fighting for a play-in spot. But all likelihood, they're probably going to have to play a four-seed, three-seed in the first round, and I don't think they could beat that type of team. I think you're falling victim to the or being a prisoner of the ball. I Am I, I, it, it's been 40 Indiana games. Clearly, I, I think it, I think it's fair. It's been 40 games, bro. Okay. Prisoner of the games, moment. It, it's still, it's still early. It's a long season. You gotta, it's, you can't, you can't say something like, I mean, you can say whatever you want, but like <laughs> you're halfway through the race already saying, correct. 
that the team that they were one shot away from going to the finals. They do, were. Do you know Jimmy uh, Buckets can turn it on, and Miami. Yeah, he can. Pretty much like load managing him because he has like chronic knee issues, so he can sure. only play so many games. So they're really just like throwing him out there every now and then just to make sure you know his conditioning is good. But you know when the playoffs start, especially in a playing game, which I think both of these teams are probably going to end up being. Jimmy Butler's coming out putting up forty. Bam's probably going to put up. 20, 12, and he will throw in his 20 and, and five. Those, that three, just the three production from them alone. I don't know. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton is going to do his thing, but I don't know if Tyrese Halliburton alone is going to be able to match that production. Like, once again, I, I've seen Jimmy Butler do it. I've seen uh, DeMar DeRozan do it. I've seen um, Trey Young do it. I haven't seen Indiana do it, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs because of that. That's fair. Um, but the way they've played so far this year, and I'll be honest, Rick Carlisle is probably the best coach that they've had since Frank Vogel. So I think that'll go a long way as well with his playoff intellect experience, things of that nature. Um, I feel like the way they're playing right now is regular season S basketball, and that's good enough for you to become a playoff team. Now, they're very matchup dependent, due in large part because they're not a very good defensive team. The reason why I feel like they would have a chance against the Heat, by the way, I don't think these two teams will ever play each other in the playoffs this year unless they compete for a plan. Miami, and we're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. They're 19 and 21. I think that's the record. Is in my eyes different than Chicago's 19 and 21. I've seen signs of promise with the Bulls recently, ever since they were like, yo, we might blow it up. With Miami, every time I see them play, they're like right there. But let's be real. Kyle Lowry is doing nothing for them right now. Nothing. And I don't think that's going to change. And he is, whether people like it or not, their starting point guard. And Gabe Vincent, I don't think is ready to take that mantle. Victor Oladipo has shown throughout his career, he's a scorer, not a floor general. That point guard issue, like Deshaun has attributed to because he's a Heat fan, is a problem. Also, Jimmy Butler, yes, he could turn it on in the playoffs, but I ain't even seen him really consistently turn it on when it mattered in the regular season in important matchups. Look, I know it's the Boston game. That Boston game where he scored forty. He's had right now a game winner. Right now, this season. Look, look, look. I get it. All right, we've given a lot of these veteran teams graces because of what they've done in the past. This is a new year, and we need an all-star break. We need an all-star break. So it's fair for me to be like, hey, man, like, what's up? Because they've actually been, for the most part, relatively healthy, and they've been struggling. They've been playing subpar basketball. The Brooklyn Nets did not have Kevin Durant for the rest of the third and the fourth quarter, and they lost that game. They were struggling to stop Seth Curry from getting to the rack. So that's a valid conservative heat, but... We just went to the Heat. This wasn't even about them. It was about the Pacers. Bottom line is, I'm sold on the Pacers. I think they're a playoff team. And I, and I think a lot of that is because they have an all-NBA caliber point guard who can really run an initiated offense and get his own. Awesome. If you have that type of guy, you have a chance. All-NBA caliber. I'm not saying it'll be all-NBA this year, but all-NBA <laughs> caliber. I, that's I'll, too I'll much to ask. This team reminds me a lot of the uh, Charlotte Hornets 
like LaMelo's first two seasons. I think they're definitely overachieving. I think they'll probably make the play in, but they'll be going home in the first or second round of the play, just like those teams do. They have a young all-star point guard, um, followed by, you know, Miles Turner's, you can, can, he's a veteran at this point, um, yeah. like Gordon Hayward was, and then some nice young pieces, just like Charlotte had, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, et cetera. But ultimately, I just don't think their star power is good enough and their surrounding pieces are good enough to beat even the lesser teams in the East, like uh, Miami, Chicago, and Atlanta. But that's my closing thought. Charlotte's not a bad comp. I just think they're better than Charlotte because they have a better coach, more better constructed team, and they got the better point guard. And I was a huge LaMelo fan when he came out of Australia. But moving on from the Pacers, who Clem doesn't believe in, but we will see. All-Star weekend is almost upon us, and it's time to have a conversation about the All-Star hierarchy and should fans be given the power to vote starters and currently fans hold hold rather 50 percent of the vote in deciding who are the east and west starting five members as of now these are the starting fives from both conferences thanks to the fan vote in the east Kyrie and donovan mitchell make up the backcourt and the frontcourt consists of durant Giannis, and joel Embiid. he did make it which means jason tatum did not in the western conference the backcourt is stefan luca Followed by the front court of Braun Anthony Davis, actually, and Nikola Jokic. As of now, I can safely say it looks like Ja and Tatum will not be in the starting five of these all-star teams, which is a crime because I don't know what time in history the best team in the East and the best team in the West don't have a single starter in the all-star game. I think that's the first ever. So the question is. What are your thoughts on it all? And do you feel like this potentially can lead to a change in the voting process of deciding who is an all-star starter moving forward? Well, no, I don't think it's a problem. One, similar to your take on Indiana and Miami, I think we're halfway through the voting process. So we can't make a final decision right now. We got to wait. For it to play out and it's not a hierarchy because it's a technical it's technically a 50 50 split fans get 50 media and players get the other 50 so it's going to balance out i think we're being prisoners of the moment and we're like whoa i can't believe i you make a valid point celtics number one in the east uh memphis tied for first with denver and memphis or boston don't have a starter in the all-star game but what you're forgetting is like these old heads i'm talking about like the lebron the kd the 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 curries they're proven man like they've hit a peak that only like 20 other guys have reached ever ever and this happens every decade there's there's guys who like Maybe they're not at the their peak anymore, but they still are pretty relevant players, probably still top 15 players in the NBA. Give them their credit. Like, I mean, how many how many guys can you say have reached a stratosphere of a LeBron James, a KD, and a Steph, right? They're the face of the last generation. And then you got guys coming up, the Luka, the Yannick, uh, Giannis, and Jokic. 
like they're the face of the new gen. So it's basically like if you're not in that top three, like you're kind of going to be overshadowed. And it doesn't mean you're a bad player. Like Ja, we know like he's made for the all-star game. But is he more made for the all-star game than Curry or Luca? No, the answer is no. Now in a perfect world, I would put Luca as a forward and then slide Ja into start. However, they have Luca listed as a guard. Um, I think he's a shooting guard. You think he's a point guard. Different arguments for a different day. Um, he's a point and forward. Then on the east, but, uh, uh, you said what? <laughs> he's a point forward, to be real. But, I mean, it is what it is. So It is what it is. Um, and then on the east, obviously, I would have Tatum, who plays. He's a wing. He's not necessarily a guard, but he's a wing. He has guard-like skills sure. to put him at, at the two and then start KD, um, Embiid, and Giannis. But you got to give these guys their credit. And I think that the the, um, the media and the players are going to balance it out a little more. I think the media, media especially are going to take into fact who's playing and who's not. And then the players are going to take into fact who they like and who they respect. And I think, honestly, John might go further down because of his comment about not being worried about nobody. <laughs> so that that might actually happen. But... When I really look at it, I don't think there needs to be change. I really don't. Because let me ask you, what what is a good percentage you would like to see? Because I think 50-50 is good. You want you want the fans to tune in and, and see who they want to see. And it's right, not right. like they're it's not like they're picking, you know, these outrageous players like Zaza Pachulia. Like, you know, these are all guys. <laughs> these are guys. <laughs> I know you want to say something about Wiggins. We're not talking about Wiggins right now. And Wiggins started because he would, he might have not been a NBA all-star starter. No. But he was a good quality small forward for one of the best teams in the West. So he deserved to be there. You know, he deserved to be on the team. Maybe not starting, but he deserved to be on the team with the injuries. But let me ask you, what do you think the percentage could be? Because I just I think it's good the way it is now, and I think it's going to balance out. And you just got to give respect to the guys who have paved the way. So like I said before, um, right now it's 50-25-25. So out of the fan, player, and media members, who are the most unbiased? Who are the most unbiased? Out of those three, the fan, the media member, the, media. the NBA. Okay, so I agree with you. I think the media should get 50% of the vote. And then everybody else can get 25. I think that's fair. Look, I understand fan involvement in the All-Star game is important. Uh, the NBA fan base is really what make this basketball world go around in the National Basketball Association. I get that. I also understand the OGs who are continuing to play well deserve to get their love. Nobody is saying Steph Curry should not be an All-Star, period. Okay? But let's be real here. And this is, that's on me because I should have been honest with myself and be like, hold up. Who's got the top three fan stand bases in the NBA? LeBron, Curry, Luka. I mean, they got the top three. So they're going to get that. They're going to get those votes on lock. Steph Curry should not be an all-star starter this year. I'm just being real. He should. Hasn't played enough games. When he has played, as phenomenal as he's been, because I said this on Twitter, Warrior fans were coming for me. Who cares? I get it. He's scoring 30 on 50, 40, 90. Incredible. A lot of those stats are a little bit inflated. Because Everybody's he's missed. scoring 30. Everybody's scoring 30. But a lot of these stats are inflated because he's missed games. And when he was playing at his apex, there were only two games 
above 500. Let's be real, Clem. If the roles were reversed and Job was putting up those numbers and the Grizzlies were barely above 500 and the Warriors were the Grizzlies record and Job was leading, you know Warrior fans would be like, that's that's not right. Steph is putting up these numbers on a winning program. We know what time it is. So I feel, in fairness, the most unbiased people in the voting conglomerate, which is the media, should have the primary vote. And I think moving forward, because last year we had Wiggins start when he should have never started. Um, and this year, there's a chance two of the better players on the best teams in their respective conferences won't even start. You got to make some changes moving forward. All right, I'm not saying fans shouldn't have any say in who should be an all-star. You know what the fans should have a say in? Who should be the all-star captain? All right, whoever gets the top two votes, all yeah, right, yeah. they're the captains. Boom, there you go. Vote for who should be the all-star captain. After that, leave it up to the media. Fans can pick whoever they want to pick. It evens out in the end because we all know, look, all-star, starter, that is really don't matter at the end of the day. What guys really get their contract extension bonuses and incentives on is all NBA. And right now, what it's looking like, who's going to be the all NBA guards? First team, it's going to be John, John Luka. Luka. It's going to be John Luka. So it's going to even out in the end. But it just annoyed me because it's like John Moran, and we've talked about this coming into the year. Injury prone, all right? Style of play, is it conducive for long-standing success? Throughout a season, uh, throughout a season, rather, he's played more games than Steph Curry. And while he's not averaging 30 on like 50% from the field, he's getting you 27, 6, and 6, 6 and 8. I mean, that's not bad. And yeah. Memphis is the best team in the West, tied for the best team in the West with the Nuggets. Like, and when he's been out there, they've won. All right. His record when he's been healthy is better than Curry's record when he's been healthy on the floor. So, I just, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. It's unfortunate that it's going to end this way for Tatum and Ja. Like, we all thought, you know, basketball mind, they should be starting. They're probably not. And I know you're saying it's early. Bro, it's over. Like, Steph <laughs> and Luka got two million votes. Bro, it's over. They're going to start. And, like, there's nothing the media or the players can do to make up that difference. And, and Warrior, okay, I'm not going to even ask Warrior fan. Who cares? If you watch basketball this year, and you say, look, unbiasedly, who should be an all-star starter? Steph for job this season. You're picking job. That's not an indictment on Steph Curry, the player. In your perspective, yo, the OGs deserve it. That's the only thing that those Warrior fans are giving to me in a debate right now online. And I'm like, I didn't say Steph shouldn't be an all-star. He should be an all-star this year. But he shouldn't be starting. That's the reality. And then you had the SGA fans who are like, yo, SGA should be starting over job. No, he shouldn't, bro. No, he shouldn't. The Thunder aren't even a 500 team. So, look, I get it. Fans, they love who they love. They're going to support who they support. They're going to support the better player on their favorite team. I get all that. But it's time to have unbiased people come in, set the record straight, and give the honor to people who deserve it. Because this is unacceptable. And I'm going to go back on what you said. Fans is putting some dumb people on there, man. Andrew Wiggins was top five in voting in the front court. Bro, Andrew Wiggins hasn't played in forever. You know, Devin Booker was at the bottom of the list. Now, granted, I don't think Devin Booker will play the All-Star game because he's hurt. But where is De'Aaron Fox? Where was Sabonis? Like, come on. Like, where? What? What? On, Fox what? Fox so, at the end of the day, okay, <laughs> bring him into they got to do better. Like, look, you've got a nice sample size of who should be an All-Star and who shouldn't. 
All right. Nobody saying Steph shouldn't be it. All right. He should. But we had high expectations for the Warriors coming into the year and they underachieved even with him out there. You can't start, bro. You just can't. Because in any any other person not named Curry with them same numbers, it's not starting. They're not. Yeah. So that but means you know what? His fan his base. Is Curry. I, his, his name, name is, is Curry. Curry. I get his it. His is fan Curry. base is crazy. And so it's time for the vote. It's time for people to realize, bro, we can't let the fans hold the primary power and decide the starters. Because we're gonna have uneven starting lineups that shouldn't be there. Like, I, I can't I can't even look it up, Clem. I can't look up when was the last time the best team in the East, best team in the West, never had a starter in a game? Come on. Imagine that I mean, in the NFL. They Couldn't might not happen. be there. They might not be there. Memphis might not be the number one. Team. I mean, technically, they're not number one right now. And they're, they're only they're Yeah, they're tied. But they might not be the number one or number two or maybe even three when they're gonna, the, they're gonna, the all-star game starts. So, I mean, we'll see. But, like, the name of the game is all-star, okay? And the fact of the matter is Jason Tatum and, and um, John Morant have been all-stars and playing at an all-star level for not even a, a full two years. All right, let's just keep it a buck. Curry and um, KD and, and Bid and Giannis have been playing at an all-star level, and even Luka, for the last three, four years. So, I mean, it just comes with the territory. Like, once you crack that threshold of being, like, one of the best players of your era, I mean, I, it's early to say that about Luca, but still, like that's the way his trajectory is heading. You get certain privileges, you know, and this is one of them. But you know, all NBA is different. Um, but I think they deserve. It. I don't. Um, I don't think they deserve to be All Star starters. They deserve to be All Stars because they're playing at an All Star caliber level now, and I think. The problem with a lot of people's rationales in sports is there's a level of entitlement for the greats. Yeah. And at times, it's deserved. At other times, it's unnecessary. Steph Curry, just because he won All-Star MVP last year and he's a great three-point shooter, does not mean he should get grandfathered in into the starting backcourt spot every single year until he retires. That should not be the case. But it looks like that's going to be it as long as the voting criteria is this way so moving forward give the media 50 percent and give everybody else 25 and we'll be fine then we'll get that what we I deserve like that. i think that's fair so yeah. fans can still have they power and they impact because what's going to happen clem is the warriors the lakers like they have big fan bases so their fan base is just gonna like flood the ballot and they're gonna make sure they're gonna get their guy in and saying because i heard some people say this online nah man just get your votes up it's not that easy <laughs> Yeah. Look, it's not that easy. John Moran is not an international sensation like Steph Curry. Not yet. He may be in the next five years, but he isn't but right now. Who's father is that? Uh, father Time? I mean, he ain't been there long enough. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't been there long enough. <laughs> Probably. Like, yeah. Do you remember when Dame, Dame had a, a whole, I remember it was like, it was like 2016 or somewhere around there. When Dame, yeah, Dame was, started getting, Dame was started crying. feeling like he was neglected. He was like, damn, like, I can't make an all-star game, you know, woo-woo-woo. And Russell Westbrook was like, you know, like, bro, your time, it's not your time yet. Like, your time's going to come. And when your time comes, like, he's probably going to get grandfathered in. Like, I mean, if we're being real, like, 
him or Fox. Like I'm taking Fox, bro. I'm sorry. It's been real, Dan. (laughs) It's they're playing on a similar level, but they are. Dame has the the history behind him that goes with it. Like you have to. That's why we we gonna segue into all types of conversation. (laughs) I just I just say real quick. That's why last year I was so adamant on making sure a job won most improved play. Because guys don't understand how hard it is to crack that um, upper echelon of players. Like, and especially from him, even though people are like, oh, yeah, he was good already. He dropped 40 in the playoffs. Yeah, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But he went home. All right? He did. And I believe, no, they, I think they won one game. But still. like Yeah, they, gentlemen sweep, same thing. It it was a completely different level going from where he was at at the end of the uh, 2020 and then coming into the twenty, uh, the next season, like completely different level, and it's so hard for guys to take that leap and then stay there. Like once job cracks it, and now he signed it with Nike, so I'm sure next year, even if Curry plays at this level, Ja's gonna do some crazy stuff for the rest of the season. He's gonna do some crazy stuff in the playoffs. He signed with Nike, probably on a crazy summer with them, and then coming in next year, if he continues to play at this level. He's going to be the guy. But this is only his second year doing it. So he got to wait in line, man. Keep getting your dubs up. Don't get your votes wait. up. Get your wins up. All right? You <laughs> want to start You don't want more. <laughs> you want to start? start? Don't just be the tie for the first in the West. Be the best team in the league. He beat Phoenix from last year. Book wasn't crying. You know what Book did? Book won the most games. Last year, so he made sure he was a starter. How about that? I mean, look, Jason Tatum got the best record, and he ain't starting. So, look, the bottom well, line, barely the bo- by one game, but, by one game. But look, if he widened that gap, it'd be different. That that's true. Um, look, I think that Nike deal is gonna help. He's gonna he's gonna be touring globally this summer. That's gonna expand his brand internationally, and that might be enough moving forward. He's gonna get them votes internationally that he's probably not getting now because right now. He's hot stuff in the southern region, but you got to encompass beyond that to really get those all-star caliber votes. I think, look, John Morant, you're right. He's a top 10 player. I think he's been a top 10 player for about a year now and a half, kind of. And I feel like once you're a top 10 player, you're always going to be in the running for an all-star start possibility. Damian Lillard, I remember that story. Damian Lillard was never a top 10 player in his era, bro. He just never was to me. I don't think he was. He was top 15, but don't think he was top 10. I'm pretty I sure Dame won a, a first-team All-NBA before. First-team All-NBA? If yeah. he did, maybe it was during the bubble. And I hate to be that guy. Nah, it nah, counts, it but I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. So. I'm pretty sure he got one. Yeah, so but I do remember that because you know that was a huge talk about who's better, Dame or Russ. And then I feel like Dame put that to rest when they played in the playoff series and Dame did his thing one and six, whoop whoop was better. But the difference between Dame and Ja, like Ja, Dame was never really considered the top 10 player at his apex. He just wasn't. Yeah. He was a talented player, but never was no, top 10 as yeah. So I think that's and then also, I don't remember Portland. Yeah, 2018, this, he was first team on NBA. 2018, first team. Okay, okay, damn, okay. My bad, I was sleeping on you. First team on NBA, one. One of them. That's that's solid. That's solid. But 
the Blazers were never considered a top tier team in the West. And during the all-star break, they were never in the running for the top two seeds. So I think that was always the issue with them. He was competing with the Warriors, the Thunder. And then when KD left, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Rockets, when Harden reached his apex, that's who he was fighting against. I think Ja, at this point of his career, I don't think he's better than Luka, but he's on par, I think, with a fading Steph Curry. I mean, he's on par with everybody else. So he's either at their level or better. So I, I he can't hasn't really won as much Lillard. as them, too. That's he thing. hasn't. That's fair. He hasn't. But I'm talking about currently. See, y'all y- doing the career stuff. Look, we get it. Yeah, but you got you to gotta factor in the whole story. You can't just be like, <sighs> okay, right now, you can't just look, like, not look at everything else that has happened. That's a part of the story. Like, you can't just get to the mountaintop. You got to stay there and watch other people fall. Or hell, grab their leg and make sure they fall so you can be at the top. Like it's a it's a fight, you know. So either you're gonna be the top guy or you're gonna be the guy who's being overshadowed. And right now that's where he's at. But his time will come. Curry's his time over. will come. His time will come. You're right. But everything you said, I just feel like that's important in the context of your all timeness career wise. Like that's gonna matter all time wise. But how I operate in current day, game by game, year by year. Can you? It's sustainability. Like, all right, you're here, you're here. Keep it going, keep it going. So I guess factors as well. But great all star conversation. Clemens right. Two more voting cycles left before we really confirm who <laughs> what's what. But safe to say, John Tatum, they coming off the bench. Uh, final topic: buying the Bulls as a playoff team despite their sub five hundred record. I mean, they've won three straight, including beating the Nets. Ended the Nets win streak when KD was there. Um, beat the Sixers. Yeah, it was without Embiid, but Harden was hooping. Um, Maxie was back. They've currently had the number one strength of schedule through 40 games, and they've beaten the top three teams in their conference at least once. And a lot has to do with Zach Levine finally hitting his stride. He's averaging 24 a game on 46, 40, 84 shooting splits, had a 40 burger to beat the Sixers on the road. It's allowing DeRozan not to be Herculean by himself. Vucevic getting a double-double as well. Her rumblings, Lonzo may be back potentially towards the end of the year. I always felt like their bench was a lot better than it was last year. And I'm going to take it a step farther. I always thought the Bulls this year were better than the team last season. The problem was it just didn't show up record-wise. It's starting to show now, are you sold on Chicago as a playoff team despite their sub-500 record? I'm sold on them as a play-in team, not a play Okay. Um, I'm just a little torn because – and I think they're torn too because, for one – I mean, they went all in with Vooch and DeMar to try to establish themselves as a, a team that can not only make the playoffs every year, but get out of the first round. Um, so I just think them blowing it up right now, it's, it's just a little too soon, um, especially like they're still waiting to see their full team together. I feel like that's the story of like the entire league right now. We, yeah. Everyone's yeah. just always hurt, you know, it, it sucks. But um, I think they're, they really want to see that full team. They want to see Lonzo come back. And I think they're going to wait, wait it out and play out the rest of the season and see once Lonzo comes back and you insert him into that starting five. And they have that, you know, defensive um, duo with uh, Caruso and um, Lonzo. And then also um, Ayo has been playing really well. So I think that three-headed defensive guard, like lineup will be really good over the course of a 48 minute game. 
Um, and then you pair that with DeRozan and, and Levine's offensive ability, and you mentioned how much better he's been playing as of late. Um, and Vooch is – what thing about Vooch? When he's on a contract here, he going to hoop. That's true. He He's <laughs> playing way better this year than he did last year. Yeah. But I think he is getting to that point where it's like he's getting older. He's not good defensively. Um, so he can only, like, peak so much. Um, but I remember old Vooch during contract season was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be an all-star this year. He, he made it. <laughs> Um, I don't think he has that in him anymore, but um, I just think they've they've invested too much to just give up after two years, especially after never seeing their full team healthy. So I think they'll stay together, and for that, I think they'll make the play in. It's just a matter of I think Miami's a lot to get in, um, and I think it's between them and Atlanta. Like I think those are the two teams. When it comes down to the play in, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fourth quarter in Chicago, close game, Trey versus DeMar versus Levine versus um, Murray. And I think that the Bulls are going to be the team to, like, get that eight seed. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're going to play the top <laughs> team in each of the games. So they're probably looking at another gentleman's week. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think they'll make it. I think they'll make it despite that uh, sub five hundred record. Yeah, um, they're a playoff caliber team when uh, their big three is playing well, and Levine finally looks like the guy they gave a max extension to um, mm-hmm. this offseason. Vucevic is playing relatively better, give you a double double, consistent around the rim. Um, I think for them, uh, you know, you're right. I think they're more so probably gonna be a play in squad, but I think if they're in the play in. They can win a playing game and get to the playoffs. But there's something that's that's good for them. Last year it was they could beat all the frauds, but they couldn't beat the elite teams. This year it's they could beat the elite teams, but they can't beat the frauds. That probably will help them come playoff time because it looks like in the first round they're going to play an elite team. And I think what makes them a tough out in the first round potentially is DeRozan, and Levine are bucket getters at any moment. They could go on a stretch where they just go nuclear for like five or six consecutive possessions. And as an opposing team, you have to honor their offensive ability. So you have to commit defensive attention to two solid to very good perimeter scores. That opens it up for Vooch. That opens it up for Io. That opens it up for the role players. And I think another element within their team that they didn't have last year, they have a solid bench led by Drakachoff, as the sixth man, and then Drummond gives them particularly pretty good minutes as a backup big. This is a playoff caliber team to me. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they're the team. Um, I'm not going to say they have a Boston turnaround like last year, but they're a team where from the month of January on, they have like a record that helps them get eight to 10 games above 500. And that could probably be enough to secure the fact that they might not even have to play to play in. Because look, I, you know, I talk about the Pacers. Yeah, I'm sold on them. The Knicks coming into the year, I was like, they're going to win 40 games. And I think they're going to win 40 games. I just don't buy them as a playoff squad. So that's a team that could probably stumble. And that allows Chicago to ascend. Because if you keep, man, if you keep beating good teams, that's a trend. So eventually something has to break even to where when you have a four or five game stretch against guys in the second half of the year that might be locking it up for the season, you could roll off some wins 
to where now you have enough of a cushion to secure that you're not a playing squad. So I'm sold on Chicago. Um, Lonzo is an important piece in her squad that they're missing. I just don't know if Lonzo is going to be the same. You know, like it's the reoccurring injuries for him. And it's now to the point where, you know, Markel Fultz is better than him. And I'm just like, dang, bro, like he can't stay on the floor. Markel's gotten better, though. He's got better. So I think it's durability for him. Yeah, so he's come to Chicago and remade his game. I don't think they need him to be. I mean, and then again, like when you say like the same Lonzo, like he wasn't like this dynamic scorer. He wasn't. Or like his his game like – predicated mostly on like being a defensive player and being able to like run and start in uh, the breaking transition. But he's a guy who passes the ball ahead. So like, he's not like a, I'm about to, you know, John Morant dribble down, cross you up and jump over you. Like he's, I'm looking, get the ball up the court. Obviously um, he needs that defensive lateral movement to be the the uh, better defensive player. So I think that will take a hit. Um, but just being able to make spot up shots, uh, spot up three pointers, and then just get everybody in in their spots, I think that's where um, they'll need him most. And then just depth, like you know, Dragic is good, but like he's also what thirty six years old. So like, yeah, who knows there. what he's gonna look like in the playoffs? I think he's in good physical condition, but um, and then even. Like, a guy like Patrick Williams, like, I think his development has been really slow. So, in the playoffs, when guys, when the teams go really small, I can see lineups where you have DeRozan at the four with Levine at the three. And then you have, like, Alonzo out there with um, either Ayu or, or uh, Caruso. So, then you have, like, the two defenders, two three-point shooters, along with the two creators. And then you have your big man in the middle. But... We'll see. I, I'm sold on them. I think they're gonna make it just because of the uh, the star power they have. But I am a little nervous. I am a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, likewise. Likewise as well. But then episode three, of NBA Intel. It's always great to have my man Clement Gibson as a co-host sure. for these segments. Before we segue out, uh, intrigue topics you're um tuned in on this week i mean got some important games i think right now boston is playing chicago just i mean just was talking about those two teams um what are you looking to see throughout this nba week as we near closer to all-star weekend oh you may not like it but the number one thing on my list is those brooklyn nets yes sir those brooklyn nets i told you black history month is 21 days away all right and if i know anything about kyrie irving he is going to celebrate his blackness now also new york city has one of the largest jewish communities um i work in new york city i see it all the time um i just think he's bound to say or do something that is going to offend someone maybe not the jewish community but someone um and i'm sure it's going to come from the right place like it always does with Kyrie. Um, I just think that he can't help himself. Just can't. So <laughs> that's what I, I really want to see. I'm really looking forward to that. And then you're uh, let me go to the West. Um I wanna see what the Phoenix Suns are gonna do. Obviously, you know, Book and Zion are my guys. Um, and as much as I'm I'm watching Suns 
the Suns drop. And on one hand, I'm like, where the world is seeing how important Devin Booker is to this team. Um, but I'm also like, okay, they are really free falling, lost six in a row, and I don't see them stopping anytime soon until he comes <laughs> back. Um, Jay Crowder situation is still up in. Seen Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton go at it. Seen DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams go at it. Also see DeAndre Ayton not really perform to his ability over and over and over and over again. Trade deadline's coming up. Really anxious to see what they do there because I think that I think it's inevitable that DeAndre Ayton's going to get moved. That's how I'm feeling right now. Um, but yeah, those are two things I'm looking forward to. What about you? Yeah, um, the Aiden point that's that's valid. Um, I think it's inevitable. I thought maybe if they got off to a solid start, I had hope, you know, right. yeah, high hopes just didn't come through. For me out west, I just want to see the separation between Denver and Memphis. They've been playing cat and mouse for a while now when it comes to who's number one, who's number two, who's number one, who's number two. This week, um, I know Memphis has kind of a light schedule. They play some cupcakes, um, so that might allow them to gain some separation. Denver plays L.A. tonight. The Lakers, the Lakers have actually had their number this year. It's been weird. Yeah, um, Lakers so won five we'll, in a row. Right, Lakers have won five in a row, so we'll see that separation up top. And then the East, Brooklyn, I know Kyrie, I mean Kyrie, Clem is salivating over what will Kyrie do to ruin it again? <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not praying on their downfall. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Curious. What's going to happen? <laughs> Clem is curious to see what's But I think I'm curious as well on the floor. Like, um, they played hard even when Durant was out yesterday and they won. So I thought they would fold because, I mean, that's what they did last year when Durant was out, um, and they didn't. And I think that's a microcosm of what they can potentially be during this stretch with him gone. They're not beating the Celtics. This will hurt their chances in terms of being a top-two seed in the long run. But I'm trying to see, like, what the team looks like with Kyrie being their primary player that they're going to have to run through. What is that like? I mean, we've seen the good of that. First year in Boston, 117 straight. And we've seen the bad, the Cleveland days before LeBron. So, I mean, like, what what are we going to see? Um, so, that's another thing as well. And then, last but not least, um, the Miami Heat. You know, I'm not high on them at all. I gave Clem a piece of why I'm not. He is clearly appalled. What can the Heat do to get right back in it? Because, according to Clem, because they went to a conference final last year, that's all you need to not be worried that they'll get it together. So last three years. That's what I'm curious on. Like two two of the last three. But without further ado, Jaws can move money. Your call is coming, Gibson. We're gonna head out today. We'll be back next week, and this power will be up tomorrow. Peace. Sweet. All right, bro.